Can Asking Questions Really Win You More Business? I'm joined today by Deb Calvert. She's the founder of People First Productivity Solutions, plus the Sales Experts channel. She's also an author and she's in the Sales Hall of Fame. We're going to be learning Deb's story, including wanting to be a journalist and getting into sales. We're going to be talking about what it takes to become a manager. Plus, Deb shares with us why asking questions is the key to landing more sales and more new business, along with her top recommended digital marketing strategies, including SEO and some more unusual techniques. So that said, let's jump straight into the episode. Roll the intro. Welcome to Sam's Business Growth Show. I'm Sam Dunning, a digital marketing, sales, and business growth evangelist. Tune in and subscribe today as I'll be interviewing business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. You'll be learning their story, how digital marketing has helped them along the way, and exclusive tips, insights to help you skyrocket your own business. Deb, there's plenty of things we want to learn from your good self on the show. Uh, we'd love to learn a bit more about your background and your story. So some of the key places that you've worked at up to founding and starting your own business um, with some actionable tips on sales, um, or business in general, it could be to do with marketing. Um, and then we want to get into how you've built up your own company, how you've scaled it, how you've built up customer base um, and grown your own sales pipeline. But if we could jump right in, myself and the audience would love to learn from you. All right. Hey, first of all, Sam, thanks for inviting me to be with you here today and uh, really appreciate the opportunity to get to know your audience a little bit. Um, my backstory is really three things. And if you know these three things, you can probably guess everything else about me and about business. Uh, the first is that my name, my given name, Deborah, it actually comes from a Hebrew word that meant the bee. And that's been me my whole life. Busy, busy. I like to be busy, but I want to be productive when I'm busy. I want to do things that, that make an impact. And the second thing is that I've always been um, a, an obnoxious question asker. I remember always being you know, three, four, five, and my mom always saying to me, Debbie, stop asking so many questions. Because I would. I would just go up to strangers, complete strangers in a store, and start asking them questions. And um, I learned over time, but I never really gave up on asking questions. So I went to journalism school and, and became a, a debater uh, in high school and college because those were two places where it was okay to ask questions. And in business, no matter what I've done, starting my own business, selling, uh, I've always been asking questions. And the third piece is this, I have a reputation that I'm kind of proud of as being a really good listener. And I think if you're going to ask questions, you ought to be a good listener. Uh, that too has served me well throughout my career. And it's, it's been the foundation of, of every choice that I've made um, as I've been in business. So what I've done, I was selling stuff since the time I was about five. I sold campfire candy and I was always awesome. the top salesperson. <laughs> so, you know, kids club. Uh, but I was the top salesperson because I, I wanted to win the prize. The prize was going to Camp Shawnee. And my mom taught me how to use questions to be more effective in selling. So that's, that's what I did. I sold. I put myself through college. I worked at a newspaper because I thought I wanted to be a journalist. But the first job they would give me was selling advertising. And I was good at it. I liked it. I felt like I was helping people make the difference they wanted to make in their businesses. And the thing about selling newspaper advertising 
a lot of years ago when newspapers before the internet were absolutely vital to everybody's every day. Um, the thing about that was it exposed me to all different types of businesses. I called on retailers, I called on uh, manufacturers, I called on people who wanted to sell something to someone in any way, shape or form because we had special sections that went to various audiences. And I awesome. then became, yeah, so I went to corporate um, Knight Ritter, Fortune 500 company, was overseeing sales in 31 markets, and, and uh, that's where I got my, my real foundation in training and leading and being able to put all the pieces together before I went into business for myself. Great stuff, Deb. So we covered a lot of ground there. Now, this is something I'd love to get dive a bit deeper in, in terms of asking great questions. So it sounds like you're selling from a pretty young age, the age of five, selling candy, um, with that goal of um, getting to where was it a certain certain uh, holiday camp I think you said yes it was called Camp Shawnee it was my it's my happy place <laughs> awesome so. sounds like quite a price so what did um, what did your mother teach you in terms of asking questions because that's definitely a valuable key to learn at a young age yes well she was a Marine Corps recruiter for the United States Women Marines she was one of the first ones and that's selling work so she herself knew how to ask questions that would engage people. And she would, she would teach me how to ask questions that were about them, not about me or what I wanted to sell. So she'd give me these examples like, you know, what are your plans? She would ask questions like, what are your plans for the next five years of women who might become Marines? And so in selling candy, that would be, what are your plans for the holiday season? Because we sold candy in November. And, um, I would then you know, help people to see how candy would fit into their, their holiday plans for gift giving or celebrating or having guests come over. Uh, and she just, she taught me how to weave the pieces together. Got it, got it. So um, engaging in conversation, asking questions that are actually relevant, but not direct to the product you're selling. And um, it sounds like building a little bit of rapport and the start of a relationship so you could get some business done. Yeah. <laughs> and awesome. I was pretty irresistible. You know, it was November, it was cold. So you can imagine this little red cheeked kid at, on your porch and that uh, helps. Just, you know, earnestly trying to sell candy. <laughs> <laughs> Good fun. Cool. So then later along, you wanted to, to be a, a journalist, you're saying, um, which like you say, definitely is, I guess, all about asking great questions and taking notes and then documenting that for, for the newspaper or whoever you're working for. But that turned into actually ad sales, right? So tell us a bit more about that and, and what you learned along the way doing that. Yeah. So I spent 16 years at the Kansas City Star. I, that was my hometown, big city newspaper. And I thought, whatever I do, I'll just get in the door and then they'll hire me over there in the, in the news department. But I was naive. I didn't know that there was a brick wall between advertising and news and one didn't speak to the other. Um, and that was okay. I, I was only maybe two years into it before I gave up the idea of moving into news, not because it was a brick wall, but because I learned I didn't even want to do that. Despite my journalism degree, despite my admiration of, of great journalists, I thought that asking questions of advertisers, helping them build solutions that would help their business, um, I thought that was pretty noble work too. And I made that my life's work. Cool. Excellent. So you're there quite a while. Um, and was that, you say, the, the key to your success while you're there, just asking great questions all the time to, to your prospective customers? Or was there a bit more to it as well? 
that really was the, the key. I don't mean to uh, make it oversimplified, but I'll tell you this by way of, of example. So I sold advertising, then I became a manager, then I became a trainer, then I became a, a, a director of operations. So, you know, in that 16 years, more than just the selling, which means it's now been over 20 years plus since I've called on any advertisers for the Kansas City Star. But I recently moved back here to this area, Kansas City, and I go now into some of the businesses that I used to call on. And it's happened four or five times that somebody has remembered me. And as soon as we, you know, do the old hugs and high fives and remember wins, they say this to me, you ask the best questions. You always really made me think, right? So that tells me that I was doing something right. Awesome. Awesome. So this, this is a little bit trickier, Deb. Um, often as salespeople, business owners, whatever, when we're talking to prospective customers, someone that's showed an interest in us or booked a discovery call, whatever it may be, quite often, I know myself, I'm guilty of just reeling off a, a list of questions that I've got as my standard discovery questions. So it might be 10 or so questions like, what are your goals? Where do you want to get to? What's your time frame budget? So who, who makes the decisions? Just these standard, bulk standard questions. Are there any other ways, Deb, that we can spice these up or make them feel like we're not just making our clients or potential customers feel like we're reeling off a generic questionnaire. Absolutely. So my first book, Discover Questions, it's eight purposes of asking questions and it retools those questions so that you can be more relevant and more valuable to whomever you're calling on. And then the second book is Stop Selling and Start Leading. It's the one that's based on research with buyers. And we know for sure that buyers don't like those kinds of questions. The questions that we use to qualify them, the questions that feel like it's a survey, the questions where they feel like you're trying to do something, maybe build rapport, maybe gather information, but it's about you. It's not about them. So let's take that first one that you said. Uh, Sam, you said, what's your goal? Well, there are a million different ways to ask that question so that it won't feel canned and generic. For example, I might say to you something like this, Sam, with a six-year-old newborn baby in your home, uh, you know, what, what are your hopes for the future? What do you imagine when you, when you look at your baby? You know, sure. And you don't have to answer that if, unless you would want to. <laughs> I'm curious. <laughs> but I got to personalize it, and I've got to be genuinely interested to make that an effective question. Great. Okay. So it's, it sounds like you're, you're mixing in a bit of a re the rapport that you learned at the start of the conversation um, and then taking that adapting that to the to the questions you're asking to make it a bit or, more personalized yeah or the research right because if okay. i'm going to go into a good discovery i hopefully know something about this person and this company i'm calling on or, or who's visiting me makes sense okay awesome so you did the the journalism gig for quite some time it sounds like got to got to a management level um before we move on to the next role are there any other tips or, or lessons that you learned um in terms of sales and marketing that might be valuable for our audience or should we jump on well, I do think for me, it was that, that declaration of I'm not going to become a journalist after all, but I'm going to do this other thing that, that I enjoy. I, I think that so many people who are in sales and sometimes even business owners, this is true for us too. We end up where we are because something else didn't work out. And then we never fully embrace and fall in love with that choice that we're making, that job that we're doing or that business that we're opening. So I think that it's really important to be committed and to find the thing 
whatever it is for you that you'll never get tired of doing. But then don't stop there. Continue to build, continue to always be learning and growing uh, and, and don't let yourself be stagnant. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I love that saying, find the thing you'll never be tired of doing. That's awesome. Okay, cool. So moving forward, I think you said you went to a, quite a larger scale company next step. Was it a Fortune 500 scale company? What were you doing there? Yes, um, that was Knight Ritter, which is no longer in existence. But at the time, it was the second largest media company in the United States. Oh, wow. Okay. And I did, a, yeah, um, 31 markets, big markets, Philadelphia, for example, and, and Miami. Um, and they hired me there from Kansas City, one of their papers, to provide sales training and leadership development, two things that I was doing in Kansas City that were getting recognition elsewhere. And uh, so I first was in a human resources role, but overseeing training, sales training, and I got to hire in the 11 largest markets, hire and train and provide programs to 11 sales trainers and 14 infield sales coaches. So that's something that was uh, accelerated because I wasn't there very long before they put the company up for sale a few, few years later, but we made some amazing things happen in terms of revenue production and, and people development. And that's where well, I got sort of hooked on that. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. And was that just putting into place all the lessons that you'd learned at your previous role um, and that sort of things? And could you share a bit more about how you were able to, to make that success? Because as many of us know, tr managing teams is sometimes quite difficult, especially when you've got kind of more than a couple of people that you need to look after as well as hitting big quotas and big targets. Yeah, you know, we, we skipped over that part, maybe rightfully so. But I was a sales manager for a few years and I was, I was an awful sales manager. I okay. had no training. I had no uh, idea what it was that my sales managers had done to help me be successful, mainly because I was very independent. And I, didn't, um, I didn't pay attention to what they were doing. I just was so busy doing my own thing. Um, so that too was a good lesson because it taught me all the things you shouldn't do to people. And you know, I'll never be able to apologize enough to the poor people who um, I mismanaged. Uh, but I did figure it out. I, I did get some support around that. And I learned to be, become more observant and to really be able to take those best practices. So the question that you asked though is, you know, how, did I, how did I put it all together? It wasn't just what I knew. That would have been a career stopper. I still can't, at this point in my career, I still can't rely just on what I know. It's, um, it really is about you know, continuing to bring in other ideas and to stay nimble because the world's changing and, and we have to adapt as it does. Got it. And have you got any tips, Deb, um, for people that are in sales at the moment and trying to get their way to a sales management level to know if it's actually worth doing and if they are serious about it, how they can go about converting from someone that's just focused on their own numbers and fit, hitting their own targets rather than managing a team of people that you've got all their quotas plus your own? That's a great question. Yes. Um, don't take a job, including the job of sales manager, until you know what it's really all about and that it is a good fit for you. If you love sales because of the independence and the ability to manage your own destiny, sales management might not be for you because you give up a great deal of control as soon as you step foot into that job. You have to learn how to get things done through other people 
And that's all about being a leader, manage sales and lead people. And it's about being leaderly. And those are wholly different skills from, from selling. Makes sense. Makes sense. That's it. I think um, it's a mistake I've definitely made in the past where I thought, look, I want to be a sales manager. I want to manage a team. Got to the role. It was really difficult for me to manage my time because I had my own quota. I had four or five other people's quotas. I'd not really managed a team before, so I was chucked right at the deep end. And, and like you said before, it was just really hard work and not really something I, th I think I'm personally cut out to do. It's not something I'd enjoy. So it's like you say, knowing whether it's, it's going to be something you're happy to do, you're comfortable do, doing, you're going to enjoy doing. Because um, it's not for everyone, is it? Managing, managing people, especially if you're, you're quite keen to focus on your own numbers and your own benefits and things. Absolutely. And I do think it's unfair. I know in some places that there is no option, but in many places there is an option. I think it's extremely unfair to have a sales manager who is also carrying his or her own accounts and not able to then uh, fairly, it's impossible to fairly manage the, the other accounts and, and not to have some favoritism. Oh, that, that makes perfect sense. All right, Deb. Well, um, myself and the audience would love to learn a bit more about your own business and um, what made you decide to take the leap of starting off on your own and um, learning a bit more of how you've grown it over the few years. Well, we're almost 15 years at People First Productivity Solutions, the business that I started. Uh, I started it because Knight Ritter was on the auction block and I saw what happened. It was almost like a night and day. As soon as they announced the sale and were looking for, for bidders, they slashed so many of the services that they had offered to employees. So it became one of the most people first employers I'd ever been exposed to. And they won lots and lots of awards. Um, but as soon as they needed to trim costs, they yanked that rug out from under everybody. And it was no longer a people first environment. And that meant huge impacts on morale and on how people were resourced. So I was thinking about going into business for myself and, and that was the thing. My philosophy was going to be something in business where we remembered and we helped other companies remember if you want to get anything profits products you, you've got to have people who are driving that take care of people so i didn't set out at first i actually went and applied for jobs all over the place and i was down to just four offers knight ritter was going to be closing its doors it was time for me to make a decision and each of the four offers involved moving to another city these were not cities that I necessarily would choose otherwise. And we had just moved to California a few years prior to this. Well, I didn't want to move again. So uh, I literally woke up with the idea one morning, what if I called these four and asked them, would you hire me as a consultant instead of hiring me? And three out of the four said yes. And I've been doing it ever since. Amazing, that worked out quite well. It did. <laughs> it did. I set rules. Uh, and I think this is a good practice too. I set some rules for myself because I wasn't sure if this was going to be a placeholder or if it was going to be a permanent forever kind of thing that I would do. Not at first, I didn't know. And so I set rules and the rules were things like I have to make X amount of money the first year. I have to branch out. It can't be just media where I know so many people and, and word of mouth will carry me a long way. I got to branch out into other industries and the third one was I had to have a certain number of accounts 
from people I had no connection to uh, within the first six months. That, meaning that could I go out and sell myself and, and prospect for business when it was about selling me? Great. No, that's, that's awesome. So you set, set goals early on, knowing that if, if those weren't achieved, then would you go back to trying to find a job? Or Initially, that's what I thought. And I okay. you know, kept my ear to the ground, what other kind of you know, job offers are here. Um, and I interviewed with Google at one point after going into business early on. But this was helping me to sort it out because as I thought about that work, even though I no longer would have had to move, I realized more and more, you know, I, I like what I'm doing. I can do this. I want to do this. And then eventually declaring it and becoming, you know, full in. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Well, I lo- love that. and love that part about setting the goals. So in terms of acquiring clients, Deb, what's, um, talk us through some of the channels. Could be digital marketing, could be more traditional offline marketing that have um, worked for you over the years. So it'd be interesting to know how you've been able to generate um, pipelines, leads, sales opportunities, and some of the channels that you recommend for everyone tuning in to, to get involved in that have proved uh, a success for yourself. Well, uh, it was easy at first, word of mouth. So this company had sold, I had a bit of a reputation, other media companies wanted some of the things Knight Ritter had had. So word of mouth got me started. And I didn't have any social presence at all at the beginning. And I built my business on that philosophy of putting people first and of asking questions and really listening. That was something that helped me to to get other clients. But pretty soon I also realized with this promise I made that I was gonna get outside of media, I realized I had to do something to have a brand or a reputation or at least some name recognition outside of media. So. I started generating lots and lots of content and I distributed that on the typical social channels, uh, Twitter and and LinkedIn primarily. And that continued to, and I had a book that helped a best-selling book never hurts. Uh, And so all this content, I just, if I saw a need, I met a need. If I had an experience or an example with a client, I documented it and I, and I offered it out as easily accessible content, tons of it out there. And I got to a point where, there was so much that it no longer was making sense. You know, how do the pieces fit together? And my business has a certain amount of complexity too within it. So to make things make sense, I eventually hired a digital agency and they focused primarily not on content production, but on SEO and on, uh, on the hierarchy and the structure uh, of how that was, was being produced. And my business shifted from word of mouth to a season of, of lots of very specific outbound to now it's actually become much more focused on responding to the inbound leads. It's almost like going back to word of mouth, but that SEO drives a great deal of business. And then in terms of social uh, or platforms, my favorite is one that most people don't know or use a lot. The one I get the most leads from is Bright Talk, where I have a personal channel and then I founded the Sales Experts channel. Interesting. Okay. So it'd be good to talk a, a little bit about that. Um, yes, it's really interesting that you say it's, it's gone kind of full circle. So starting from outbound and then working its way back to back to inbound from a mixture of the content that you put out and then also employing an agency to, to look at your SEO. So getting the long-term Google positionings and rankings and then starting to get clients come to you, giving you calls, emails, and inquiries. Um, yeah, and I'll say, I'll say this about an agency. Um, I was so skeptical, it took me a long time to go get one. And the first few 
didn't work out as well, but I've been with one now for, oh, I think we're going on five years perhaps. But they, um, several years ago, they said, you know, you do a lot of these webinars. We really gotta get you ranking for terms like virtual learning, e-learning, uh, webinar training. And I was, a, I was a little resistant, but I green-lighted it at some point. And now in COVID, I, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that I have high rankings in some of those terms. I'm really, really busy. And I, it's completely to their credit that they saw that and, and helped me set that up. Interesting. Interesting. SEO is not something a lot of our um, guests uh, have mentioned. I'm sure a lot of them are using it, but um, not something we talked about a great deal. Um, is it something you recommend for, for any business, Deb? Was it quite specific? Well, you know, you, yes, if you are in growth mode, if you want to grow, if you want to be deliberate in who you're targeting and you want to be very specific in, in what you're offering, uh, an agency can help you to sort that out. And then they can do a lot of the work to make that happen. But I will say this, it is a slow process. You're not going to get results in three months. It, it takes time and you have to have content to, to back it up. The, the SEO doesn't happen unless you've got a blog or webinars or something that, that they can attach to. It won't be the website alone. Definitely. Yeah. All about the long term and, and great content. That makes perfect sense. Uh, Bright Talk. Again, not something we've covered too much of. Can you tell us a bit more about anyone that's not heard of Bright Talk, Deb, a little bit more about how that works and how you've had success with that? Yeah, I think Bright Talk should do a better job marketing themselves. I, I, I think I'm their big spokesperson. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, Bright Talk is a place where you can go and get content, videos and webinars primarily. And there are channels there within communities. So whether you're in HR, engineering, uh, security, marketing, sales, they have communities for all of the, the different disciplines of business. In fact, between all of their communities, they have, they just crested 10 million subscribers. That's huge. Yeah, and that is huge. That is huge. Um, and then people who are subscribers to Bright Talk, they subscribe to specific channels and they access the communities that are of interest to them. And then Bright Talk um, targets people based on their habits. They, they do re retargeting of the content to serve up just like Amazon would. It says, hey, Sam, you like this webinar. We think you'd really like this one too because it's got similar keywords. Got so it's internally, those 10 million people are, are being exposed to your content if it's relevant to them. We at the Sales Experts channel, uh, we are at about 70,000 subscribers now. And in my personal channel, where I do no marketing or promotion at all, uh, I, I have 15,000 subscribers, but they're very, very focused, a, a very narrow group of heavy followers. And, and it's, become, it's become a great pipeline for business. I, I get about a call every one to two weeks where somebody says, I listened to your Bright Talk webinar, and now you know, I just really want to talk about doing business. That's great. That's great. Great recommendation. Appreciate that, Deb. Okay. So we've covered some great ground. We've learned your story. We've learned your top marketing channels, um, both outbound and digital. Um, but what we'd also like to, to ask you, Deb, is for anyone tuning in that's thinking of taking the leap, um, thinking of starting their own company, or anyone that's just started their own business, have you got any um, golden pieces of advice or nuggets of information that might help them on their first few days, weeks, and months? Well, this will be a bit provocative. Um, the advice I got when I started business and I've gotten it consistently for all 15 years is be narrow, find a niche, stick to your lane, go deep into that one area. 
and I have not done that. I have resisted that. Every opportunity that I've had to change it, I have just absolutely adamantly opposed the idea. And the reason is that for me, what I learn about leadership and what I teach about leadership absolutely informs what I do in selling. And what I do in selling, the observing, the research that I do, it is actually quite relevant for work I do in team effectiveness. The work I do is all about putting people first, no matter what the relationship is. So my advice is this, be willing to go narrow if you don't have a reason to be broad, but don't rule out being broad if you think that's really going to meet the needs of the people you serve. So don't, don't be afraid to break the mold would be the broader way of saying that. I like that. That's great. Awesome. Okay. Well, um, Deb, we'd like to ask everyone that comes on, if you could thank just one person uh, for having a positive influence on yourself and your career, who would that be and why? I've been so fortunate all my life. I've been very fortunate to be surrounded by really, really good mentors. The person, though, who uh, comes to mind, her name was Vanessa. She was my first supervisor at my first job at the Kansas City Star. And as I took one promotion after another, she'd come back around, she'd have lunch with me or meet me in the hallway and she would say, don't change, don't let this job change you, don't you ever change. <laughs> she literally put her finger in my face and say, don't, don't let it change you. <laughs> um, and I appreciated so much that she saw what was good in me and, and the potential in me and that somehow it was a reminder that that's enough. As long as I continue to let it grow and I'm authentic to myself, uh, I shouldn't try to be something different. Excellent. Excellent. Sounds like a great mentor. She was. It is. Yes. Awesome. Well, you've been tuning into Sam's Business Growth Show, where we sit down with business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. We find out their story, how digital marketing has helped along the way, and their exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket your business. Deb, tell us a bit more about how people can learn from you, how people can connect with you about your books and your social channels. I, I hope people will. I always enjoy when uh, I get a LinkedIn invitation and somebody says, I saw you on Sam's podcast. So uh, by all means, connect with me on LinkedIn. Come visit my website, People First PS. The PS stands for Productivity Solutions. We give away a lot of content. And don't forget to visit the Sales Experts channel too, the salesexpertschannel.com, because that's not just me. That's 500 sales experts globally who have contributed a lot of content, and it's very good for learning for business owners, people in marketing, people in sales. Uh, I think you'll, you'll find something there that, that you'll enjoy. Brilliant. Deb, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, Sam. It was a real pleasure. Are you tired of constantly hunting for new customers? You could be missing out on regular inbound opportunities, all because your website isn't on the first page of Google. Perhaps you're already spending lots of money on advertising, but your website is failing to convert all of your hard-earned visitors into a consistent flow of new customers. If you'd like to learn more about our unusual approach that brings idle clients straight to you, Connect with Sam Dunning on LinkedIn or book a free 20-minute consultation via webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Subscribe today for more digital marketing, sales and business growth tips from the experts.